I'm Jake Tapper, and this is CNN Tonight, live from Lviv in western Ukraine with breaking developments this evening on the shifting battlefield in the east of this country. The fight for Donbass is well underway. This is a region that has been partly occupied by Russians for years. That's very much at the heart of the justification for this Putin invasion. Fighting, we are told, is intensifying in the southeast territory as many civilians struggle to escape. Ukraine's foreign minister is predicting that the scale, the scale of this face-off in Donbass will look like World War II, warning that the heaviest battles are yet to come, pleading with NATO to send more weapons, ASAP. And we are learning for the very first time from a top U.S. official that America is actively providing intelligence to Ukraine's military for operations against Russians in Donbass. More to come on that major acknowledgement. The world is also taking further action to isolate Russia. The UN General Assembly voting today to suspend Putin's regime from the Human Rights Council. As President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky points out tonight, Russia has clearly been violating the rights of humans. After Bucha, this is already obvious. And the work on dismantling the debris in Buryanka began. It's much worse there. 26 bodies were found under the rubble of two houses in the Kiev suburb of Borodyanka today after Russian airstrikes. Again, those are only two houses, according to Ukraine's prosecutor general. Imagine how many more. More proof of the inhumanity. All hospitals in the Donbass territory of Lohansk have now been destroyed, according to one regional leader. Hospitals destroyed. All of them. Russians keep targeting them in the east, forcing many injured civilians to go west for care. I met with some of the wounded today, wounded civilians, when I toured a medical facility in the western part of Ukraine. I hope you'll stay with us to hear their emotional stories. And that's just a fraction of what's happening tonight all across the country. Nima Albagar is with me here in Lviv with more on the actions of the United Nations today. But let's start with Matthew Chance, who is live in London, with news of German intercepts of communications of Russian soldiers, ones that could bolster evidence of possible war crimes. Matt? Yeah, that these are potentially very significant because it's uh, something that's been picked up by German intelligence. They've been briefing a parliamentary committee inside Germany about what exactly they've 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 picked up. But what it seems to be from from reports and from the sources that we've spoken to about the content of the intercepts is that they are um, radio communications linking Russian forces with specific killings that took place in Butcher uh, over the past, that, that place north of Kiev, of course, where there's been so many atrocities taking place, uh, that, that took place at the hands of, of Russian forces. Now, there's no end of evidence, of course, video evidence of the atrocities that took place there, the mass graves, the, the, the video we've all seen of the, of the twisted corpses uh, that have been filmed by you know, uh, soldiers and by passers-by and by you know, people in, in, in that community. But, you know, video of bodies and pictures of bodies does not equate to evidence of war crimes. Uh, And that's why potentially these German intercepts are so important, because that linkage between Russian forces and actual killings of people who can be identified 
appears to have been from the reports we're seeing have been made and that may be important in the future when it comes to any possible prosecutions uh, for war crimes that may or may not that well that may take place or the you know, question of whether it will take place and whether Russia would you know comply with anything like that is 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 a, another discussion uh, altogether but yes potentially significant evidence for any future war crimes prosecutions uh, Matthew in spite of the evidence Putin's spokesman today continued to claim in an interview with Sky News that the images in Bucha, ones that our journalists saw with their own eyes, um, were fakes. He also made another notable remark. Let me play that. Let's go through it. You've lost thousands of troops. How many troops yes, have you lost? We have, we, have, we have significant losses of troops, and uh, it's, it's, it's a huge tragedy for us. I have to say, I, I was surprised to hear him acknowledge the huge loss of, of, of Russian troops. What, what do you think is behind that? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, he, he did then appear to, to acknowledge there have been thousands of, of troop losses, which is a significant departure from the, 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 the last official figure that we had. I think it was on March the 25th that the Russian Defense Ministry said there were 1,351 Russian soldiers uh, that have been lost, which is in itself a, a significant number, uh, of course. Um, th there wasn't any sort of, you know, new figure given there by Dmitry Peskov, Vladimir Putin's spokesperson. But clearly, you know, the, the groundwork is being laid and acknowledgement is being made that there are there are more losses than they've previously uh, stated. Uh, just to give you an indication about how many more there could be today, there were new figures uh, released by the Ukrainian side. Now, of course, the Ukrainians, you know, have an interest in beefing up those numbers, perhaps. But what the Ukrainians are saying is that there are, they, they've counted 18,900 Russian troops that have been killed since this conflict began on February the 24th. Uh, 698 tanks, they say, have been destroyed and 150 aircraft. So that gives you an indication. We've seen these horrific images of tank columns that have been uh, destroyed in various locations in the country and of aircraft being shot down uh, re repeatedly with you know, the Stinger missiles that have been supplied uh, to the Ukrainian armed forces by the United States and, and others. And so it, 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 it does show you that you know, whatever the Kremlin admit to, the losses do seem to be very, very significant indeed. We'll see you know, if there are 18,900 dead, how many have been injured? How many have been captured? We're talking about potentially tens of thousands here. So no wonder the Russians are struggling uh, to sort of fill their ranks with fresh troops to pursue uh, and to push forward this, uh, this offensive, Jake. All right, Matthew Chance, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your insights this evening. I want to bring in a member of the Ukrainian parliament uh, right now, uh, Andreo uh, Andre uh, Osadchuk, um, Andre, thank you so much for joining us again this evening. We appreciate it. Um, what's your take on what we just heard from Matthew Chance, a source saying that Russian troops discussed killing Ukrainian civilians in communications that the Germans intercepted? Um, good evening, everyone. Uh, so first of all, I want everyone to understand one simple thing. Before the invasion started, uh, we said to the world, we said to our uh, partners, we said to the United States in particular, that Russians will come to kill. We knew that uh, because we had very long experience in dealing with them. So it's not the first, not the second uh, attempt of 
Russian Federation, Russian Empire to wipe off Ukrainians and even the name of Ukraine from the map. So it's very old paranoid ideas of Kremlin leaders uh, to destroy Ukraine. So that's why it was uh, very, very expected. Uh, taking into account the all information which we already had for us, it was very important that German intelligence received the same data which Ukrainian intelligence had for the last couple of weeks, meaning that the Germans, they confirmed that killing of civilians was absolutely intended, coordinated and planned. I will tell you even more. Uh, two days ago, I've got the confirmation from Ukrainian intelligence that Russians, they had a list of people and they were searching specific people in Bucha uh, to kill them. So meaning that it was all very well organized process of uh, killing civilians in Bucha. And uh, taking mm -hmm. into in consideration all these facts, we again are focused not only just to finish this war, but to bring into responsibility of everyone responsible for war crimes in Ukraine. So we will not arrest until the justice is done. We learned today from Ukraine's prosecutor general that 26 bodies were found under the rubble of just two houses, just two, 26 bodies, uh, two houses in Borodyanka. Can you tell us any more about what's happening on the ground? Uh, all world knows the name uh, of the small city, Bucha, which was the center of this uh, massacre. Uh, but Borodyanka destroyed even more. Uh, it, it is almost fully destroyed. And uh, every day, every hour, our uh, law enforcement agencies, they uh, discover more and more evidences of war crime. We really had uh, a big problem with uh, proper recording of all this massive amount of uh, killings of uh, civilians. For the moment, based on the reports from General Prosecutor, we collected more than 400 bodies in these two cities. And we try to make proper recording on every case because we want each case to be brought to the International Criminal Court. I want to talk to you uh, about a video that's spreading on social media. It's too graphic for us to show, so I'll describe it. Uh, it shows a group of soldiers who have Ukrainian patches on their uniforms surrounding four bodies wearing what look like Russian troop uniforms. Uh, the men on the ground in the Russian uniforms are bloody, appearing to have had uh, head wounds. One of the men says in Russian, quote, he's still alive. And then one of the men in the Ukrainian uniform shoots at the body three times. The body stops moving. The camera then turns to what appears to be a Russian tank. Um, this we can show. It's on the screen now. You hear someone say uh, in Ukrainian, a little trophy, and then you hear someone else say glory to Ukraine. Now, CNN has geolocated this video, and it does match a location published on Twitter by Ukraine's Ministry of Defense. H have you seen this video? What do you know about it? I have not seen this video, but I have a very simple answer on this question take into account all nightmare which we see in Ukraine with mass killing of civilians, with mass rapes and uh, killing of kids and babies. We prefer not to change the focus of global attention to the war crimes. From another hand, Ukraine was always investigating any misconduct if ever happened on our territory. 
But today we see that Russians are using all possible measures to switch the focus of attention, to create uh, different legends, to create different lies as they usually do. And again, they force us, me and you and any, anybody else to speak about other things, but not about the fact of killing Ukrainian kids, babies, women and men uh, on the ground. So that's why I would prefer to be extremely focused and uh, to punish the evil which is happening now in Ukraine first. Andrei Osadchuk, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it this evening. Coming up, how the U.S. is helping Ukraine prepare for operations in the Donbass region. Could that fight resemble World War II as uh, Ukraine predicts? Insight from a former U.S. commander who helped run the war in Afghanistan. That's next. We're back live from Lviv. Our Ed Lavendera is live for us now from the key southern port city of Odessa. Ed, I understand you and your crew had to take cover from incoming fire earlier today. Tell us what happened. Hey, Jake. Uh, well, a couple hours ago, we heard two loud explosions, and then shortly after, a uh, barrage of air defense system, uh, what we believe to be air defense system, firing into the sky. Uh, and, you know, that was the explosions sounded rather close. So, you know, as, as we have done in, in those moments, we've uh, kind of seek shelter in the uh, uh, ground level, uh, in a protected area to kind of uh, wait these situations out. Air raid sirens were, were going off as well. There hasn't been a whole lot of information released about the details of this latest round of explosions and attack here in the Odessa region, only to one brief statement from uh, military officials in this region saying that it was an infrastructure facility that was hit, but really much beyond that we have not received yet. As the fighting heads east, what are the people still living in the Donbass region being told to do? You know, many people are being urged that uh, if they want to get out, this is the, the time to do it. Uh, in recent days, the uh, the fighting has started to escalate. There has been uh, have been attacks on uh, the very systems uh, used by civilians to be able to escape the region. In fact, uh, uh, we understand that uh, a rail line was attacked today, and that uh, some 500 evacuees are trapped in a railway station. Uh, we've heard, understand that that has been uh, happening multiple times in eastern Ukraine, and of course this is uh, the lifeline to be able to escape from these regions is getting on a train because driving on the roads uh, has become incredibly uh, dangerous. So, uh, you know, they're being urged that if they want to get out, this is the time to do it. The days and weeks ahead could be very long for the residents of eastern Ukraine. So many of the towns that the Russians have taken have been just leveled, just destroyed. But there are some cities in the south that, that have been able to turn the Kremlin forces back. Uh, tell us about the spirits of the Ukrainian people in the towns that have been able to fight back. Yeah, we, so there's a, an interesting town that we'd been wanting to reach. It uh, is in uh, a few hours north of where we are here in, in, in Odessa. This is in south-central Ukraine. And in the early weeks of the war, uh, the Russian forces made a very quick push in, into this country. 
But we found this little town, uh, Vozniashank. It's a very difficult name to pronounce, so I apologize for butchering that a little bit. But um, this is a city of about 30,000 people. It kind of sits at a crossroads, Jake, um, on this river, and there's a bridge in, in town. And if the Russian forces had crossed that bridge, it would have been very easy for them to move into other parts of southern Ukraine, into other parts of Ukraine as well. Um, and we went there, you know, to kind of talk to this the folks in this town, they had a two-day battle. They pushed back the Russian forces, inflicted serious casualties on them. The Russians ended up retreating from there. And in a little village outside of the town, we found a group of grandmothers sitting on a bench, and they recounted what it was like as Russian soldiers took over their street and their neighborhood. And one of the ladies had some choice words, she told us, when Russian forces pulled into her front yard. Ну, я виходжу прямо з тої кухні, Господи, прости. Ти кажу, вибачайте за слово, що я тебе брат. Та йоб твою мать, то це що Путін, то й дурів що кажу. Застрілили дитину, це що такі попалися хороші. So that's 88-year-old Vera. She and her friends laughed as they told us that story and, and how they insulted the Russian soldiers there in her front yard. But many people, Jake, in that city are bracing for what's coming next. They expect to have to fight that battle all over again. Yeah. I'd love Darren Odessa. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Please uh, stay safe. The U.S. Defense Secretary stating publicly for the first time that the United States is providing Ukrainians with intelligence critical to the next phase of this invasion. We are providing them intelligence to conduct operations in, uh, in, in the Donbass. When you hear from the Ukrainian foreign minister, in addition, it's clear that the picture painted by that intelligence is anything f- but comforting. The battle for Donbass will remind you of the Second World War with large operations, maneuvers, involvement of thousands of tanks, armored vehicles, planes, artillery. I'm joined tonight by the former commander for U.S. and NATO forces in Afghanistan, retired General uh, John Allen. General Allen, good to see you again. Uh, How much of an impact could the U.S. intelligence have for Ukrainians in the East as they begin this fierce fight? Jake, thanks for being forward and reporting from Lviv and on the ground. That's really important uh, observations that you're making. It's very important, uh, this intelligence. I don't know what it is. I have no access to the intelligence itself. Uh, But the capacity for the United States, with the most sophisticated intelligence gathering capabilities on the planet, to provide strategic intelligence to the Ukrainians on major Russian troop movements and concentration, Uh, operational intelligence to help the Ukrainians plan specific lines of operations in a counteroffensive, and then tactical intelligence uh, to support those tactical Ukrainian units in contact with the Russians to apply firepower and maneuver uh, to good effect uh, would be extremely important uh, to Ukrainians as a troop multiplier. And of course, I'm sure the United States can provide uh, very precise target intelligence as well for the uh, detection and elimination of key targets. So this is a, an extremely important American contribution to the Ukrainian capacity to, to wage a counteroffensive to take back Ukraine from the Russian invaders. 
You heard uh, the Ukrainian foreign minister say earlier today, speaking to a NATO audience, that he expects the battle uh, in the east, in the Donbass region, between the Ukrainian military and the Russian military, uh, just to be of such a wide scale when it comes to armored vehicles and tanks and planes uh, and thousands of troops, that it will be like nothing we have seen since World War II. Um, How do you assess that prediction? I think that's probably uh, accurate. Uh, We'll see uh, a battle unfold that will be uh, characterized by maneuver and firepower. Uh, And as the foreign minister said, as many people are predicting, uh, we'll see uh, this operations and battles unfold where armored, uh, protected armored uh, maneuver and high levels of firepower will make the difference. Uh, And we'll see it both uh, applied by the Ukrainians, hopefully, uh, and we'll also see the Russians attempt once again to uh, create combined arms operations where they failed miserably uh, in the vicinity of Kiev and where they have uh, been marginally effective in other parts of uh, Ukraine. Now we'll see the Ukrainians moving from the strategic defense to the strategic offense as they seek to move to the east and, and expel the Russians out of the Donbass area. Take a listen, uh, General Allen, to General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. This is what he said winning looks like. I would say that, you know, what does winning look like? I think winning is uh, Ukraine remains a free and independent nation that's been since uh, 1991 with their territorial integrity intact. Uh, That's going to be very difficult. That's going to be a long slog. How long a slog do you think this this will be? Will the 60,000 anti-tank and 25,000 anti-aircraft weapons that the U.S. and NATO countries have provided the Ukrainians. Will, will that be enough? Is there a lot more going on that we probably don't know about in terms of military assistance being provided by, by other countries? It's going to take a long time, Jake. Uh, if the Russians are smart, they'd be digging in right now on the ground that they have taken. And I think it's important when you look at the maps that show large swaths of Ukraine colored in red, uh, supposedly uh, occupied by Russian forces. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that all that ground is covered by Russian forces. There are concentrations of Russian forces, but large swaths of that ground under the red still are in the hands of Ukrainians who are fighting boldly uh, in an insurgency against those Russian forces as well. Uh, what uh, General Milley is saying is, is, is in fact correct. We would want to see that the definition of winning is the expelling of Russian forces uh, from Ukraine. That's going to take a while. Uh, The Russians do have a lot of firepower capabilities. They do have some capacity for maneuver. Uh, Where we have seen them fail, of course, is in their leadership and their capacity in close to fight with the Ukrainians to be effective, even when they have uh, defaulted to their reflex, which is to apply massive firepower against civilian populations and and, uh, municipalities. Even that has not broken the Ukrainian spirit of the people, uh, nor has it broken the Ukrainian military. But it's going to take a long time, I think. Uh, I'm very careful about ever predicting uh, the end of some kind of a conflict or a phase of a conflict. It's going to take a long time, though, because the Ukrainians are going to have to root them out from the positions that they have occupied. And that's going to be a hard slog. Retired Marine General John Allen, thank you so much for your time and your insights this evening. We really appreciate it. As we noted earlier, the Russians are targeting hospitals in eastern Ukraine, forcing many patients to flee their regions and travel to safer parts of Ukraine for basic treatment. I visited some of these civilians
who made the harrowing journey to a medical facility in Western Ukraine. We're gonna bring you their emotional stories next. We continue now live from Lviv. The head of the Luhansk state administration said today that Russian forces have destroyed all of the hospitals and other medical institutions in that part of eastern Ukraine. All of them. That is the reality in many parts of this country. No hospital seems safe from attacks by Russian soldiers or Russian missiles. My team and I visited a hospital in western Ukraine to speak with the civilian victims of this war who have been brought to this part of the country from all over Ukraine, their journeys to come here just to try to survive, in some cases took days. Here are some of their stories. Just as Putin's forces did in Syria, so too are they targeting hospitals and medical centers here in Ukraine. 279 hospitals have been damaged since the war started, according to the Ukrainian health minister, with 19 of them completely decimated, forcing thousands of innocent Ukrainian civilians wounded in Russian attacks in the east and south to be shuttled hundreds of miles to hospitals in western Ukraine to fight to stay alive, such as Olga Zuchenko. Do you ever think you'll be able to go back to your normal life? Yes. She ran a grocery store in the Luhansk region with her husband, Maxim Alexandrov, when seven bombs hit their neighborhood, shrapnel pummeling her apartment balcony. I have lost everything. I have lost my flat, my property, my health. We didn't expect to see it. We always have counted Russians as brotherly people. We never hoped they will exterminate us like that. Olga has been here in this hospital, in this bed for one month. She may never walk again. Their elderly neighbor was killed in the same attack. They tell me she had been so scared she stayed with them for a few days before her life was so brutally and unfairly snuffed out by Putin's bombs. By now it is clear these attacks on civilian apartment buildings are no accident. Entire civilian city blocks in Irpin and Mariupol, residential apartment buildings, have been obliterated. The facts lead to only one conclusion. The Russians are purposely slaughtering Ukrainians, moms and dads, children, grandparents. The Russian government, of course, denies targeting civilians. A group of American doctors with expertise in war injuries because of unfortunate American experiences in Afghanistan and Iraq, were visiting the hospital when we were there, meeting with the mayor of Lviv, sharing what they knew about war wounds. We wanted to share information from our experiences in the war in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and in the civilian uh, hospitals in the U.S. Thank you for visit, thank you for support, and thank you for cooperation. It is very important for Ukraine, and for the United States, and for future. These are brutal injuries that are unfamiliar to young surgeons in Western Ukraine. Dr. Hanat Huck, chief surgeon, has seen an influx of thousands of these patients. The injury that we have now is unbelievable. What do you want the world to know about what you're seeing here? I want the world to know that uh, 
they need to know that the Russian forces they don't fight with the, with the Ukrainian army they fight with the Ukrainian people they kill in civilians they kill in children they destroy our country shrapnel shrapnel now in my back in my feet everywhere before he was a patient whose body is now riddled with shrapnel when his home was hit Yuri Kanan from the Luhansk region was an anesthesiologist. The flat where we lived in is destroyed. My parents' flat is destroyed. My wife's flat is destroyed. We lost everything. He has a number an army medic wrote on his arm so they could keep track of patients needing help in the chaos of the war. Causing war, creating war, is not just directly inflicting pain with bullets and bombs on a people. It's also creating conditions of desperation, which poses a whole other set of problems, whether disease or, or starvation or, or panic. And these secondary effects from the chaos of Putin's war can also be fatal. We had a happy life. Everything was perfect, and then everything changed very abruptly. We met Ola Akenshine on her 45th birthday. She and her husband Alex and 10-year-old son had been hiding in their basement in the Kharkiv region for a month. The shelling, they say, was relentless. We were so afraid, especially our kid was so afraid that we couldn't stay anymore. When the building next door was flattened, she was so scared for her son's life, they got in their car and fled. She had not slept for two days. She was in a horrific car accident. When I got in my first hospital in Kilmilski, they couldn't help and operate severe broken skull and bones. So you can't see right now? Only silhouettes, like very far away. Do you think you'll ever go back to uh, the life you had? I hope it will. The school where my child learned has been destroyed, but I hope if our house stays safe that we will return, rebuild. Our neighbor will rebuild our village, our town. I love my Ukraine so much. I would only want to live here in Ukraine. Putin fashions himself an alpha male, a tough guy. One has to wonder why Putin thinks slaughtering civilians, seniors, women and children, mutilating women such as Olga and Olha, are those the actions of a strong, powerful man? Or are they the actions of someone else, someone weaker and pathetic? Coming up, new CNN reporting Ukrainians describe being forced into so-called filtration camps. They say they were given two choices, go to Russia or die. That's next. We continue now live from Lviv. Uh, the United States, I'm sorry, the United Nations General Assembly suspended Russia today from the Human Rights Council. It's a moment so rare. You see the delegates uh, recording the vote tally on their cell phones. The Russian delegate, of course, then proceeded to claim that Russia was actually quitting the council, which, as the Ukrainian ambassador pointed out, is like trying to say, you can't, can't fire me, I quit. For context, the only other country suspended by the United Nations Human Rights Council was Libya. In 2011, after Muammar Gaddafi launched uh, that brutal crackdown on his own 
people. Let's bring in CNN Chief International Investigative Correspondent Nima Al-Bagger. Uh, Nima, what is the impact of today's vote, if any? Well, it will bring some relief, I think, from, from the White House's perspective, because it robs Russia of, a, of a, an incredibly powerful bully pulpit. And we already were starting to see that with the threats that Russia was making. If you don't vote in the way, in fact, if you even abstain, let alone vote against us, there will be consequences. I think the language, well, we know the language they used was, we will perceive this as an unfriendly gesture. Mm. The worry, though, for a lot of those countries that did end up abstaining, like Egypt, is that they need Russia. Egypt's is dependent on something like 80% of its wheat comes from Ukraine and Russia. There are real consequences, and much of the international community is going to be looking to the U.S. to try and perhaps buffer some of the consequences of taking this kind of a strong stand. Yeah. Meanwhile, Russia is so offended by this uh, action, this diplomatic action. Uh, there are reports of Russians taking survivors uh, of places that they are assaulting, like Mariupol, to so-called filtration centers. What is the significance of that? Explain what that is. Well, we keep hearing Putin is a student of history. And this is very much meant to evoke some of the most haunting moments in the history of both this country and the region at large. This, this calls back to Stalin's deportation programs of the Crimean Tatars. This calls back to what happened in Chechnya that was so well documented. And when, when you start listening to some of the testimony that CNN was able to gather, it is incredibly chilling. The documentation, the, the detail, the, the, the photographing of these people from so many different angles, the concerns that they have, that they will forever be haunted and chased down by the Russian state's apparatus of oppression. But again, it also, it tells the world that Putin is willing to use, whether it's uh, imagery from the Holocaust or imagery from the, from the pogroms, he is willing to manipulate so much of what is most painful to not just this region, but the world at large. Yeah. Um, we want to share an update uh, given tonight by a badly injured uh, fellow journalist, Benjamin Hall of Fox News. As you may recall, two of his Fox colleagues were killed last month when their vehicle came under fire outside Kyiv. Uh, Benjamin Hall just tweeted out this photograph of himself and these words on his account, quote, To sum it up, I've lost half a leg on one side and a foot on the other. One hand is being put together. One eye is no longer working. And my hearing is pretty blown. But all in all, I feel pretty damn lucky to be here. And it is the people who got me here who are uh, amazing. Um, we just want to uh, note that, uh, that announcement from Benjamin Hall and send him our best wishes uh, for his continued recovery uh, in such a horrible, horrible uh, incident uh, with him and, and his Fox colleagues. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, the photojournalist uh, was killed and, and the other producer was killed mm -hmm. as well. Well, it speaks to the, the consequences of bearing witness, and, and especially, I think, the message that Russia wants to send about the consequences of bearing witness. And there was a recent Amnesty International report, and one of the things that really struck me about the reporting on the detail of, of a lot of the atrocities is it doesn't seem to be about public consumption, and we see this with the targeting of journalists. It is about sending a message of the consequences to the people here on the ground. So when you see all of that, we're not seeing trophy videos. We're not seeing a lot of what we, we've seen in other conflicts like Syria or Ethiopia. What we're seeing is a message 
of, of terror that's intended to subjugate the civilian population. This isn't about what the world gets to see. So it's, it's wonderful to hear that Benjamin um, is still with us and, and, and you know, that you are here and, and, and others are here to allow so much of this to filter out to the world because this is, this is really not what Russia wants to be happening. That's why there's almost no essential independent press in Russia left. They mm. don't want anything other than Putin's version of everything. And the consequences for our own colleagues who were based in the Moscow Bureau. We, yeah. we have so many wonderful colleagues who are now um, estranged from their families, unable to go back. It is, it is incredible work that's yeah. being done. Nima Bagger, so good to see you as always. Uh, coming up, uh, a Ukrainian mother uh, trying to make it home on her bicycle, only to find a Russian military convoy. One unforgettable image emerged after the Russians killed her in cold blood. It's something the world needs to see, and we will share the story of this woman with you. That's next. And we're back live in Ukraine. There have been already, just in the 43 days of this war, so many haunting images, especially out of Bucha. But I cannot get this one out of my mind, this lifeless hand of a woman gunned down, by a Russian tank, we have found out. CNN's Phil Black shares her story. A warning, what you're going to see next is, at times, rather graphic. Irina Silkina in a happier time, before the Russians came. It's likely this video shows Irina after the invasion in early March, just moments before her death. She's seen cycling through Bucha, heading towards a large number of Russian vehicles. As she approaches a corner, she dismounts. One of the vehicles fires. She moves around the corner, out of sight, and it fires again and again, at least five more times. Then, a large muzzle flash from a second concealed vehicle. Moments later, smoke rises from near that corner. A different video, geolocated by CNN, to the same corner shows a dead woman on the ground next to a bike. Other images of that body clearly show her hand and her distinctive nails. The woman who only recently taught Irina how to apply makeup recognized them instantly. He um, drew uh, cards uh, on her finger because she uh, started to love herself. This woman was incredible. Olga Shiruk didn't need to see the nails to know that was her mother's body. She tells me she doesn't know what she feels now. It's such a void, she says. When I saw it was my mother, the war faded away. The war ended with her, and I lost the war. Olga says her mother called her while she was cycling that day, not long before she was killed. She'd been sheltering at her workplace and decided to go home because she thought it would be safer. Tell us about your mother. How would you like the world to know her? She says Irina had a hard life, overcoming obstacles, only really starting to live in the last two years. But she could do the impossible and inspired others to believe they could too. Elsewhere in Bucha, someone recorded the moment three men were found, all face down in a yard, all shot in the head. This video is how Olga Goraviluk found out her son, Roman, and son-in-law, Sergei, had been killed. She says, I don't want to live anymore. The grief. I cry day and night. 
I don't know how to live. Images from Bucha have taught the world undeniable truths about the brutality of Russia's invasion. For some, that knowledge is deeply personal and impossibly painful. These are just two families directly impacted by the atrocities committed in Bucha, and they want the world to know and understand what happened there. But they also want those they've lost to be remembered for who they were, not just as victims or brutalized bodies left behind in Russia's retreat. Jake. Phil Black, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. We'll be right back. Thanks for watching. I will be back tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern for another edition of CNN Tonight, live from Lviv. And I will see you tomorrow afternoon on The Lead, which begins at 4 p.m. Eastern. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.